begin the message this morning, I would like for us to take just a few moments and pray specifically for Lori and Dale and, and this child. I want us to pray specifically for Jim Rule. Jim is having a very difficult time. We need to pray for him. Uh, Marge Fleming is having a very difficult time. Are there any other special prayer requests that come to mind that maybe hasn't been shared at this point and you would like for us to, uh, to pray? And Brenda, Brenda Payne, we need to be praying for Brenda and taking her before God's throne of grace. Any other special prayer request? Pat. Okay, all right, we'll pray for D. And I'm sure some of you have private requests, and we're just going to take those before the Lord too. And so as I'm praying, just pray for, for those special requests that you, you don't feel at liberty to share, but they're weighing on your heart. And so we'll take those before the Lord also. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come before you here this, this morning. Father, so thankful that we can bring these petitions before you. Father, you told us that, that with, without doubting, without anxiety, without worry, that we are to bring our requests before you. Father, your word is that you would give us a peace that passes understanding. And so, Father, we want to bring those prayers and petitions and supplications before you right this moment. Father, I want to pray for that precious baby that is developing within Lori at this very moment. Father, we commit that child into your hands and into your care. We pray for Lori during this time and we pray for Dale. Father, we pray your will be done in that situation. Father, this morning we want to lift Jim Rule up before you. We pray for this brother who has been hospitalized and in such serious condition. Father, we just pray for a healing. We pray that you'll touch and that Jim will get better. Pray for his home and pray for his marriage. Just lift him up before you. Father, we want to pray for Brenda this morning. We just thank you for her and her sweet smile and her faith in you and, and Father, just her attitude as she deals with the kidney failure and all the other symptoms and problems that she seems to be having. Father, we just lift Brenda up before you. Pray your will be done in her life. We pray for Burl as he's there to, to give aid and comfort to his sister. Father, we just commit him into your hands also. We pray for Marge Fleming today. Father, we just pray your will be done in her life. And Father, we pray for others here in this congregation who have special needs. I think especially of Dee as she's getting used to some of the medication that the doctor has her on. Father, we commit Dee into your hands also. And Father, we just pray for these different requests. We submit them unto you. Father, we just pray your will be done in each situation. Father, we love you this morning, and we're thankful that we have you to come to and lay these burdens and these concerns down at the foot of the cross. And we pray these things in the name that's above all other names, in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, this morning, if you would, take your Bible and turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 
2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. Now, I have no idea how far we're going to get with this study, but what we're going to be doing over the next few weeks, or with this, how far we're going to get with our study today, um, but we're going to start the series talking about our doctrinal statement, talking about what it is that we believe as a church and why we believe it. Uh, it's one thing just to tell you this is what we believe, but what our goal, what our aim, what our purpose is to do this morning is to bring you to a point where you hear the truth from God's Word, you embrace that truth, you are able to then defend that truth, and then you get to the point where you can promote that truth. See, just... Just knowing it, I don't think is enough. I think as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ and as His ambassadors and as men and women who understand the Word of God rightly divided, we need to first come to the point where we embrace it, then we are able to defend it, and then we promote it. As a matter of fact, part of our obligation is to bring to light that mystery to show all men what is the dispensation of the mystery, what's, what God is doing in this present dispensation. So it's, it's so important that we be able to do that. Hopefully and prayerfully by now, you all know that this church, this congregation, loves God. That our desire is to serve Him faithfully. We love God and we love His Word. I hope everyone here by this time knows this is a Bible-believing church, that our purpose is to exalt the Savior. We do that by our worship and by our lifestyle, how we live our life when we walk out those doors. So we come here to worship, but we also live for the Lord. Our desire is to equip you, the saints of God, so that you can defend His Word, that you have the knowledge of God's Word. Remember Psalm 119 says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. You want to live a victorious life for the Lord Jesus Christ. Then the way to do that is to hide His word in your heart. And so if we're going to equip you, then we need to teach you how to handle God's word. Our other purpose is to evangelize the lost. It is to reach out to a world that is dying and that needs to hear that Jesus Christ is the answer that He and He alone brings salvation. And we need to be bold in that witness. Now, as a church, we have a doctrinal statement. And that doctrinal statement is one that we take a firm stand upon. We believe it. We're not wishy-washy on what we believe. We want people to know, here's what we believe because we believe that what is contained in this book is to be understood. It is to be, uh, our lives are to, to, to be lived by what God's Word tells us. We're not wishy-washy when it comes to what it is that we believe. Now, I want to make something real clear as we get into what we believe. And my hope, my prayer is that our church will never, ever be confused with some of the so-called seeker-friendly churches. 
some of the emerging churches, some of the what they call the purpose-driven church. Because as a church, we refuse to compromise what we stand for for the sake of numbers. Did you hear what I said? Physical growth in our church, you need to understand, as long as I'm your pastor, physical growth is not nearly as important as spiritual growth to me. Therefore, I will never compromise what God's Word teaches. I will never agree to water down the truth of God's Word in order to attract numbers. Filling the pew, filling up these pews is not nearly as important to me as filling your hearts and minds with the truth of God's Word. So that's why I won't compromise what I believe the Scriptures are teaching. Why we will not ever compromise our doctrinal beliefs and position. Basically, what does doctrine mean? It's what we teach. It's what we believe. Our doctrine, what, what we believe the Bible teaches, is is what decides and determines how we live our life. And to have and is it fair to you to have a doctrinal position that you really can't identify where anything and everything is accepted, just come and let's do church. See, I don't think that's what God's word teaches. We're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together, but we don't come together just to do church. Our relationship with Christ is not a let's do church, it is a lifestyle. It is how we're to conduct our lives on a daily basis, moment by moment. I know there are, there are many, and I could start naming you preachers right now, and, and let me tell you, even some grace pastors, okay? Believe that we need to compromise our message in order to attract people to our, to our church. That we need to compromise truth because, well... Sometimes the truth that we teach seems a little judgmental. Sometimes the truth that we teach seems to be a little offensive. Well, let me ask you something. Is the gospel offensive? Yes. Here's how it's offensive. Let's suppose Denny Blankenship does not know the Lord Jesus Christ as his Savior. And I come and say, Denny... God's Word says you're a sinner. God's Word says you are separated from Him, you are lost, and Denny, I don't care what you think, you're not good enough to save yourself. What did that just say to Denny? Denny, you're a dirty, rotten sinner. Okay, maybe not dirty, but he's a rotten sinner. Is that offensive? Yeah, it's offensive. A lot of churches today are saying, well, don't, don't, just kind of hold that down. Because we want to comfort people. We want people to feel comfortable. I want people to feel convicted, not comfortable. I want them to hear God's Word and be convicted that they are lost. I'm talking about sinners. I mean, I'm talking about people. We're all sinners. I'm talking about those who are lost. To hear the Word and be convicted by the Holy Spirit Lord, I need you as my Savior. 
So the gospel is offensive when you think about the message that people are lost and need the Lord. They can't save themselves. You can't pull yourself up by the bootstrap. You need the saving power of the Lord Jesus Christ. People say, well, make the church an entertainment center. Make it entertainment and they will come. Yes, but will they get saved? That's my question. Water down the message and they will feel comfortable. Yes, but will they be comfortably lost? See, that's my concern. So that's why we hold to God's Word and we teach what God's Word says. And God's Word says that the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But to us who are saved, it's the power of God into salvation. Right? So we preach the Gospel. We preach the truth of God's Word. Wanting you to know what it is that we believe. We want you to know what we believe. We want you to know why we believe it. We want you to move from being a child of God who feeds on the milk of God's Word to a man of God, to a woman of God who's able to feed on the meat of God's Word. And any church that just wants to entertain and get you to come just because they can look at their brag board and say, look how many people we have today. I'll tell you, one of, the, one of the, the things that disturbs me most about so many of these the churches and the attitude today is that numbers, numbers has become the barometer of whether or not God is blessing a church. And I'm about at the position where I think really, not that I want anybody to leave, I don't know, that that actually may be the opposite. As we get closer and closer to the end, as we preach God's Word, people have itching ears. Boy, they want their ears tickled. They don't want to hear things that's going to cause them to bend before God in repentance and confession and getting right with God. But that's what we want. See, I believe God blesses His church. He blesses His Word. The only way to grow from a child of God to a man of God to a woman of God is by studying His Word. So, with that said, kind of give you an idea of where we're coming from. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, meaning complete, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. All Scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, it is the complete, the plenary Word of God. It is without error. It is infallible. It is God-breathed. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about what do we believe about the Bible? What do we believe about the Trinity? What do we believe about who Christ is? What are, all of those things, everything that's listed on that, we're going to talk about. And this morning, we're going to kind of give you an overview. Because all of those issues, all of those doctrines, really have to do with rightly dividing. So I want to make sure you understand what we mean when we talk about rightly dividing. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is given by the inspiration of God. From Genesis to Revelation, it means it is God-breathed. And in 
according to God's word, that in times past, in various manners, in sundry times, God spoke to the men of old. He spoke his word, and they wrote it down. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God. Therefore, we can trust it. When we get to the doctrine of the Bible, we're going to talk about that more. And it is good and profitable. It's profitable for doctrine. That's what we believe. For reproof and for correction and instruction in righteousness. So we're to use it all for those things. From Genesis to Revelation, God's Word is for us. And we are to take it and we are to study it. We are to feast on it. We are to consume God's Word because it is for us. It gives us understanding as to what God is saying. It gives us understanding into His character and into His ability and into His power and into His love, into His wrath. All the attributes of God as we study His Word from Genesis to Revelation, it reveals to us the the triune God that we worship and that we love. But, not all of God's Word is to us, right? You know, I may write Faye a love letter. I might write her a letter and say, Darling, I just want you to know how much I love you. And I may write her a poem and, and a letter that just makes her giddy and just feel so good and she just thinks, oh, I love him so much. This is her letter. And she looks at that letter and she says, oh, my husband loves me. And then she may say, you know what? I'm going to share this letter with Melinda. And so she goes and she shares that letter with Melinda and say, look at Melinda. Now, Melinda might look at that letter and go, wow, he really loves you. And his plans are to take you on a cruise of Bland, Missouri one day. Wow. Well, we've already done that. Okay, let's see. Uh, never mind. But that's not... And, and she can really... Melinda would be able to really benefit from, benefit from that and go, wow, you know, he really loves you. He's got some wonderful plans. Man, look at what he's... Look what he's talking about. But is that to her? No. She might be blessed by it, but it's not to her. That's what we do when we come to God's Word. It is all for us. And there is a blessing upon blessing. And we learn about who God is. Melinda would be able to tell a little bit from that letter that I wrote to Faith. Right? And she could tell a little bit about who I am and, and what, you know, what my intentions are. But it wouldn't be to her. Well, God's Word is very clear. There's part that is to Israel and what He's going to do through Israel and with Israel. And His covenant promises are going to be fulfilled through Israel and to Israel. And we take that and we read it and we go, Oh, God, You are so faithful. You are such a loving God. Oh, look what You're going to do to Your people. But we don't claim those promises. We can't grab and hold on to those promises. Because sometimes when we do, that's when false doctrine and confusion sets in, as we're going to see as we get into this study. But we can take those truths that were written to the church via the apostle to the Gentiles, Saul of Tarsus, the apostle Paul, 
And we read those writings that were specifically to the church, the body of Christ, us. And we go, oh God, how you love us. Jew and Gentile made one body by the sacrificial death of Christ on the cross. A mystery how that by believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, what you were going to accomplish through the cross and what your plans were in order to offer salvation to whosoever believes. Oh, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Oh, what a wonderful, true story that we can embrace. That's what we're going to be looking at as we study God's Word. That all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Now move up just a little bit, not... Yeah, I mean, move back a little bit. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. This is where we're going to start from. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. We can all probably quote this by heart, huh? Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You need to understand that every sermon, every Bible lesson, when we approach the Scriptures, we approach it from the standpoint of understanding or knowing that if we're to understand what we're reading, we have to rightly divide the Scriptures. Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needs not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We believe in order to understand this Scripture, the number one doctrine not the number one doctrine, but the, the doctrine we're starting with that you need to understand is that in order to understand God's Word and understand doctrine, why do we believe the Bible the way we believe the Bible? Why do we believe all the different things that we believe? As we talk about the unity of the body of Christ, as we talk about the Godhead, as we talk about the work of the Holy Spirit, as we talk about total depravity and redemption and eternal security in the church and the gifts and all the different things that we're going to be talking about, Why have we come to those conclusions? It's because we rightly divide the word of truth. We believe in doing what the Bible says. Rightly divide the word of truth. When we approach the Scriptures, we have to have that phrase in mind. We always start from that premise. Because see, regardless of the topic, whether it's soteriology, the doctrine of salvation, whether it be justification, reconciliation, sanctification, eternal security? Why is it that part of the Bible seems to teach that their person's not eternally secure and another part of the Bible seems to teach that it's eternally secure? And so the battle rages back and forth as to which one is the case. Well, the answer comes when you rightly divide the word of truth. What about eschatology, the study of last days? Why do some believe that only Christ is going to come one time and back the, the second time, the second coming, and others believe there's going to be a rapture and there's discussion and debate and even argument over issues of eschatology? It's because they don't rightly divide. See, rightly divide has provides direction into all of our doctrines, whether it be on baptism, whether it be on the gift of tongues, whether it be on... on uh, you name the doctrine. You name the issue. Rightly, divi rightly dividing bears on that topic. Even, even our outreach to the lost. 
even to our outreach to a lost and dying world that so desperately needs to hear. Do we as a church go to them under the banner of Matthew chapter 28, teaching them to observe all things? That's what Christ told the apostles when He sent them out. He said, when you go out, I want you to go out teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. If we do that, what are we going to be teaching? First, to obey the law, to keep, keep the law, to obey those in Moses' seat, to sell everything that you have, give it to the poor, not to take any thought of what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat, where you're going to sleep, because that's some of the things that Christ commanded them, especially to obey the law. Now, can we as a church that wants to follow what God has commissioned us to do today, follow that commission? No. It's impossible. We have been made ministers of the word of reconciliation. We are to share with the world as ambassadors of Christ that what we have to do in this present dispensation to be saved is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. So every, every doctrine that we hold dear, everything that we teach, and remember, rightly dividing affects, our doctrine affects how we live our daily lives, and rightly dividing affects our doctrine. So we, we need to know how to rightly divide the Word. We need to know how to approach, approach the Word of God. You name the topic. You name the doctrine. Rightly dividing enters into that study. Okay, what do we mean by rightly dividing? What do we mean by rightly dividing? The Greek word there is orthotomeo. Orthotomeo. It means simply, it's, it's the idea of, of properly slicing or cutting. Orthotomeo means to straightly cut the word of truth. Properly divide. Study to show thyself approved unto God, worm in the need not to be ashamed. Rightly slicing, dividing the Word of God where it is supposed to be sliced, where it is supposed to be cut. And if you don't do that, you're not going to understand the Word. Now, I know many of you translations say to properly handle. It's wrong translation. It's, a, it's an error. It's more than just how to properly handle it has to do with properly dividing, properly cutting. Philippians 1.10 said that we are to test those things which differ. Those, he's telling the church in Philippi to test those things that differ. In Acts 17, they searched the Scriptures daily to see if these things that Paul was saying were so. Because what he was teaching were different. And so it's important that we, we understand that we are to divide. Now, where do we divide? Now, everyone agrees that we divide, right? Everybody. I don't care whether they be covenant theologians or dispensational theologians. Everybody do, agrees that you rightly divide the Word of God. Now, most people think that you rightly divide the Word between Malachi and Matthew. That 400 years in between, the, the, when Malachi gave that final um, prophecy... 400 years took place and then the New Testament began. And boy, you, you divide in between that time. That's why people don't understand God's Word. It's because that's where they start making the division. We know we are dividing, but where do you divide? 
Well, first of all, let me tell you where you don't divide. You don't divide between Malachi and Matthew. Let me give you some proof of that. Just, just so that you know. Turn with me to Malachi. Oh, wow. Malachi is right before Matthew, about 400 years. Look at Malachi. Turn with me to Malachi chapter 3. And we're not going to get very far today, but that's okay. We got until the Lord Jesus comes to, to study this. Malachi chapter 4. Sorry, Malachi chapter 4. Look at verse 5. Malachi 4 verse, verse 5. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And what is the great and dreadful day of the Lord? That's the tribulation, right? And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Now the day of the Lord is attached to the kingdom because prior to that kingdom being established that all the Old Testament prophets talked about, the kingdom is to come where the Messiah is going to rule and reign, the, uh, Israel's Messiah, and Christ is going to rule and reign, and Israel is going to serve as God's nation's a priest. We're going to get into all of that later on and how that fits in. But you've got Malachi saying prophesying that I am going to send before the great and terrible day of the Lord, I'm going to send Elijah, and Elijah shall turn the hearts of the children to their fathers and back. So when that happens, would you think that's part of the Old Testament prophecy? Just makes sense. That would be Old Testament prophecy, wouldn't it? So when Elijah comes, that is fulfilling Old Testament prophecy and still part of the prophets declaring the Word of God. The church still a mystery. The church still hidden. The church not revealed until it's revealed to the Apostle Paul. Now turn to Matthew, chapter 11. Matthew, chapter 11. Verse 14. Matthew, chapter 11, is dealing with a man by the name of... John the Baptist. John the Baptist comes preparing the way for the Messiah. He came making the path straight for Israel's Messiah. John the Baptist's ministry prophesied or not prophesied? Let me give you a hint. Prophesied that, that he would do what he said he was going to do. But look what Christ says about John the Baptist. And if you will receive it, well, look at verse 13. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. So John's one of the Old Testament prophets. And if you will receive it, this is Elijah which was to come. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Let him hear. John the Baptist was to fulfill that role that Malachi talked about concerning the coming of Elijah. And, all the, and the ministry of Elijah and what was to take place there. So the division can't take place there because Elijah, or John the Baptist, was fulfilling that role that Malachi talked about. And if you look at, if you look at, at Matthew and, all the, and, and Mark and Luke and John, all those scriptures are referring to the Lord Jesus Christ as Israel's Messiah 
and all the blessings that were to come upon Israel and what Christ, the true Messiah, was to bring to earth and how that the apostles are going to sit on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes and ruling and reigning. They're looking for a kingdom to be established. Christ is talking about that kingdom that's going to be established. John the Baptist came preaching, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Christ came preaching what? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What kingdom are they referring to? The literal kingdom that had been prophesied by every Old Testament prophet. They all had prophesied that. So where do you make that division? Where do you rightly divide the Word? Friends, in order to understand God's Word, you have to rightly divide between prophecy, that which pertains to Israel and God's program for Israel and His promises, His covenant promises to Israel and the church, the body of Christ that which you and I are part of today. The difference has to do with that God's program for Israel and what was revealed to the Old Testament prophets, the theme concerning the kingdom, which was also the desire of the twelve apostles. What was the desire of John the Baptist? All of those things centered on... Even when John the Baptist wanted to know if Christ was the Messiah or should we start looking for another, and Christ assured him He was Israel's Messiah that He was the one that was to come. So when you rightly divide the Word, you have to understand that the one theme of prophecy concerns Israel's position and what God is going to do with Israel and through the Jews, through the Hebrews, and His promises, His, His, His callings are without repentance. What God said to Israel, as we're going to see next Sunday, what God says, Israel, here's what I'm going to do. Guess what He's going to do? He's going to fulfill them. If He doesn't fulfill them, what does that make God? A liar. And i got news for you. God is not a liar. And so God is going to fulfill those problems, uh, uh, promises to Israel. The other distinction is that mystery, that which was hidden in God, not when He was revealing the program to Israel, when He was revealing those prophecies and those promises to Israel, there was a program hid in God that was that what God intended to do all along from before the foundation of the world that He was going to reveal to His chosen servant, to this Saul of Tarsus, the chief of sinners, the one who did not deserve grace, the one who did not deserve to be saved. Why, He's the very one that, that held the, the, the cloaks of those who were stoning Stephen. Murderer! He was the one who persecuted the kingdom church. Murderer! That guy had no business finding God's grace and mercy. Or did he? It just goes to show you how loving, how gracious God is and how God had a plan that even the chief of sinners could cry out to Him and be saved that God could make of one or make that God could make of two one body Jew and Gentile that was never prophesied in the old testament that was never declared in the old testament that God was going to have a joint body with the risen glorified ascended lord was going to be the head of this body where he would be the savior and salvation was going to be offered to whosoever will by grace 
that Gentiles and Jews on an equal footing were to be able to come to Christ and say, Lord, I believe an eternal life was going to be theirs and then by the Holy Spirit they were going to be taken and placed into the body of Christ and sealed there into the day of redemption. That's nowhere in the Old Testament. There it's prophesied that the Holy Spirit was going to play a part in, in bringing Israel to God and how through the rise of Israel, matter of fact, John 5 says that salvation is of the Jews. The Old Testament talks very clearly that the blessings to the Gentiles had to come through Israel. Ephesians chapter 2 talks about the Gentiles being without hope, that the Gentiles were alienated. They were without God in the world and without hope. And what does God do? God institutes the dispensation, the grace of God, and offers salvation to all who will believe. Now the babies are getting restless. So we'll, we'll conclude. Folks, rightly dividing the word of truth is instrumental in understanding God's word. And my prayer is that your strong desire is to teach and preach God's word in truth. Your strong desire is to study God's word, is to be students that your desire is not just to do church, but to live for God. Make your life count for God. Now, if you're going to make your life count for God, don't you want to do it according to God's dictates, the way God tells us to do it? Makes sense to me. Well, to do that, what do you got to do? Rightly divide. Amen? Let's buy and pray. Father, just thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the truth of your word and how precious it is. Father, how clear it is when we ask the question, what are you saying and to whom are you saying it? Father, may we study this glorious book in order to show ourselves approved unto you. Father, may these truths just delight our heart Father, may we hunger, may we thirst to know you better and to know you according to your word. So, Father, as we study these doctrines, Father, may we get excited about who you are and what your plan is for each one of our lives. Father, as we study your word and the doctrine, this doctrine of truth, Father, may you just press upon our hearts. May the Holy Spirit direct us that that desire to know you better just becomes more and more passionate. Father, we thank you for your word. Help us to be the students that you would have us to be. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I got